Hello and welcome to the Playstech podcast. I'm Nicola Byrne. This episode has been brought to you in association with Node and Mills and Reeve. Join us as we explore the latest innovations transforming property. And now we realise your time is valuable, so let's get straight into today's episode. Our guest today is Emma Cullen, Chief Operating Officer at Palmer Capital. I sat down with her to discuss her interesting career journey and Palmer Capital's digital transformation. So I'm Emma Cullen and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Palmer Capital, which is a real estate fund manager and venture capital backer of eight regional property companies. Fantastic. And I want to start from the beginning. You are a lawyer by trade, by heart. How did you get into that and why why did you want to become a lawyer? Well, I'm a lawyer by trade, but not by heart. So quite early on in the process, I was looking for an exit. I started my articles with a city firm and did five years post-qualification. But I have to confess that I found it numbingly boring going through sheaves of paper at my desk every day. And I had a very fortunate coffee with a client who I'd put into a building on Charlotte Street who happened to be becoming the new finance director for a post-production company, a UK platform that was being backed by American Money in Soho. And because he didn't know any better, he asked me whether or not I'd like to go along and be his general counsel. Wow, so that was uh, quite an exciting move for you, was it? Well, that was a really significant leap. So that was a leap that on paper, if I had gone to a recruiter, they would have told me there was no way, no way, Jose. But yes, I said uh, yes, and I went. And in the first week, one of my first jobs was to sack him, (laughs) Uh, which was very interesting. (laughs) That sounds like a very interesting start to your career. Well, unfortunately, American employment law is very different to English and they had not read his contract and they have the concept of at will in America. So they thought they could just come in and say goodbye. They could say goodbye, but they had to pay him quite a lot of money to do so. Wow, that's quite an incredible story. So how long were you there with the company? So I was there for seven or eight years working in a company that was dealing with technology because the post element of the business was all about layering on colour and sound after the film had been shot and it was all done on a digital basis. So was that where you kind of got your taste and interest for tech where you really started to discover it for the first time? It was the first time that I became aware of tech within the workplace, but that wasn't my responsibility at that point in my career. Although there were a lot of synergies between the business I'm now in and the business I was in then because they did a lot of investing in third parties, which is similar to what Palmer Capital has done with its property company, Lim. And how long were you at this company and what made you take the leap to go to Palmer Capital? How did that come about? I haven't had a conventional career and I spent an awful lot of time traveling when I was working in an American business, which sounds dreadfully glamorous, but is anything but. So having seen too many hotel rooms, I thought it was time for a change. And again, through a it was through a contact I went to interview at Palmer Capital 
and was successful in gaining a role as legal counsel there. What attracted you to that role at Palmer Capital? It was UK-based primarily, which was what I was looking for, but it was also the ability to move into the financial services sector, which is something that I was interested in. Absolutely. And your role now is COO. You said to me on the phone that was quite a unique move for someone to go from law to COO. It's usually financial people. Can you explain that? Well, I think one of the reasons that I was able to move into the COO role is down to the size of the business. So I spent 10 years gaining a very broad understanding of how the business works, creating very good relationships with my colleagues. All of us have worked there for a very long time. And when you work for a small business, you become quite agile and you take on a multitude of roles. You wear various hats. If you work for a large corporate, you're more likely to be silo-based in terms of the tasks that you do. So in some ways, it's quite a natural evolution for my GC role, which was fairly broad, to morph into an operations role. In fact, when I was in my previous company, I ended up being head of operations but I found it all too horribly unfamiliar and wanted to get back to the comfort of lawyering, which was one of the reasons I moved on. And you said that you covered a broad range of things. That kind of has a bit of a startup feel, doesn't it? I think that has an entrepreneurial feel to it. Because we are a small business, but obviously a very successful business, then people have to have a broad scope in what they do. So my current role, it involves operations, which is the smooth day-to-day -day running of the business, HR, legal, risk, governance, and more recently, tech through the IT and the data. And can you tell me a little bit about what tech Palmer Capital are actually partaking in and implementing? Prop tech is somewhat of a zeitgeist word at the moment. The real estate industry, people have a sense that I've seen some descriptions of it as antiquated. I think antiquated is very unfair, but it has been very successful for a long period of time with people doing exactly what they do in exactly the way that they do it. At Palmer Capital, we want to be part of the tech evolution because we want to secure the future of the business. And to do that, we feel that we need to take a good, long, hard look at ourselves and work out how we can do things better. And for us, that means change. And it means change in looking at how we aggregate our data, whether our data is true organizing and structuring our data, feeding it through platforms, and then ultimately being able to house it somewhere so that we can interrogate it, analyze it, report on it, which is something that a lot of industries have already adopted. But ultimately, it sits at the heart of our business because we see that this is very important to our future success. What sort of tech and how is Palmer Capital implementing tech? Palmer Capital is constantly looking to evolve as a business and ultimately it wants to future-proof its business. Prop tech is the current zeitgeist and everybody is very excited about it. But for us, in the first instance, it means looking at our data, 
making sure that data is true, looking at how we collect that data to ensure that it continues to be verified, taking it and organizing and structuring it so that from a digital perspective, it can all sit somewhere where it can be interrogated, analyzed from a business perspective, and we can report on that data. And what sort of platforms are you using for that? So we currently, we switched out our accounting tool. So we were using a platform where we were unable to interface that data with other applications. So we changed to a new one. We use something called Xero. And we are also using a filtering asset collection tool that is called Coyote. Absolutely. I think we know, we know Coyote quite well in the prop tech industry, but can you just explain what they do for you? So Coyote have been fantastic for us because they have enabled us to build a system which is obviously based on the Coyote system, but they've, they've enabled us to bespoke it so that it works for what we do as a business. So the implementation has been very important and that's followed quite a long period of scoping and designing how we want the system and the platform to look. And is there any other examples of tech that you've begun to apply with Empowerment Capital? I think ultimately we need to be housing our data in what we would call a repository, data warehouse, a data lake. And there are various options for that out there. For a business such as ours, we wouldn't create that from scratch. We would look for a managed solution. And is that something that's currently in the works for that is something we are certainly looking at. Fantastic. And can you tell me from, obviously you've been at Palmer Capital for such a long time, how did you start that conversation of we need to innovate, we need to start bringing tech in? What was kind of the conversations happening within the boardrooms where you decided to start this journey? Uh, so as COO, I am the implementer to my CEO's vision and that is Alex Price's vision. So it was Alex who originated the conversation around digital, and then we as a board discussed how that may evolve. I think when you're looking to start an initiative that doesn't necessarily sit within your skill set, you have to be self-aware to be able to look outside of the box, which is why we created the role of director of innovation and why we stole Daryl Colthrust <laughs> from the hands of American Express. So he came to us having been a data architect, which was incredibly useful because when you're planning a digital strategy, you cannot do it piecemeal. So you have to have your vision and then you have to create your architecture so that you understand where you want to be, what are the end outputs that you want to see, and then you work back from that. And how easy has that process been? It's been fascinating, but it is challenging. One of the difficulties is that you have to work with a team of people whose constant refrain is, why do we have to do this differently? It works. The way in which we do it now is absolutely fine. So you have to win hearts and minds. It's a cultural shift to get them to change 
their processes and also to cleanse the data because, frankly, cleansing data is a difficult, arduous, time-consuming task that people generally don't want to fit around their day job. So it's been really important to get business buy-in to a digital shift. Do you feel like you're only just at the start of this journey or do you think you're well in the middle and on the way? Oh, we have come an incredibly long way, but we are still at the start of what could be a very, very exciting journey because one would hope that eventually you'll be able to look at the data and analyse it and perhaps use it in a predictive manner. And you said this whole process was and still is quite challenging. Is there anything that you got wrong and are there any things that you wouldn't do again? You have to be collaborative. I think it's incredibly important that you share what you're doing with people. You bring them along with you on the journey. It may take a while for them to actually come to the table, but if you don't collaborate as a team, and that involves the entire business, then it's very difficult to get traction. Absolutely. And in terms of what a director of innovation does and how he reports to you, how does that whole relationship work? Well, Daryl and I sit on a very long bench, but we sit next to each other on the bench. So it's a very open environment where he can hear what I'm doing, I can hear what he is doing. His job is much harder than mine because he is having to report into somebody that doesn't have his skill set and doesn't necessarily understand all of the aspects of the technology that he is dealing with. But I have always thought, and I thought the same when I was a lawyer, if you couldn't explain what the issue was to someone who didn't understand law, then you didn't understand what you were talking about. And I think the same principle is true of tech. Unfortunately, Daryl does understand what he's talking about. Well, that's certainly good news. And I kind of wanted to go back to the whole point of stealing Daryl from, from MasterCard and looking at the industry, especially in the UK at the moment, seems to be bringing in a lot of people from outside of the industry. And certainly industries that have begun this innovation journey sooner than what real estate has. Does the industry run the risk of not changing fast enough for these people that they're bringing in and almost creating a revolving door effect? That's an interesting question. I know that Daryl actually meets with his peers because there are a lot of new people to the industry. They share their thoughts. I mean, ultimately, the way the prop tech is heading, people will need to, in some respect, share data, which again is a paradigm shift to where we are at the moment. I don't think it's a revolving door. You may find that you don't keep people in jobs for life, but I don't think jobs for life really exist anymore. I think the newcomers to the industry will come in, they will shape, they will influence, they will lead trends, they will move on and they will take that knowledge somewhere else, but it will be a very amicable exit. And I think the industry will always stay in contact with those people, even if they're not fully employed within the industry. So how open are Palmer Capital to sharing with the rest of the industry, if that's the conversation that needs to start happening? I think that conversation has already happened. I would hope that the industry would see us as not necessarily being an influencer, but I, I hope an, an early adopter of technology. And 
through Daryl and Alex. There are various boards and various representations that we we hold now which are industry-wide. And what's next for your role for yourself within Palm Capital and what's next for Palm Capital to continue on this journey and continue to be this early adopter and influencer? I think ultimately we need to be able to take our data and our new technology in order to ultimately enhance the customer experience. And for us, we have many customers, so particularly our investors, whose capital we take, but also our tenants who are housed within our various buildings. I'm sure you've had people talk today about the evolution in terms of smart occupiers and smart buildings and the way that the flexible world of sitting in an office is going to change. So you implement your CEO's vision. Have you always been on board with that vision? And has the board themselves always been on board with that vision? I believe it's truly healthy for a board to not always agree on things. And it's very important that there is a lot of discussion whenever you're bringing on board a new initiative. The board were very much behind the concept of digitization, but Obviously, there have been lots of things to talk about on that journey and very frank discussion about the implementation of the vision and how well we're doing. Fantastic. And how do you go about exploring those ideas? So you've all decided as a board that you need to innovate and you need to do what Alex wants. Are you attending events? Who are you speaking to to do this? We did attend events, but we did also bring in a third party to brainstorm with us. And we found that invaluable. Fantastic. What has been the biggest challenge so far for your career and also for this prop tech zeitgeist journey? Well, the prop tech journey is a very good example of taking on board something that I am not comfortable or familiar with. And I think that's been a recurring theme throughout my career. And that's something that has led me to different things other than simply being a solicitor, because it's really important to embrace stuff that you can't do and stuff that you don't know about, because you learn. And if you're bright and you're able and you're willing We are all capable of learning. And actually, that's a very exciting thing. So I've thoroughly enjoyed and hope to continue enjoying our prop tech journey. Yeah, that is brilliant. And then I also want to ask if you have any advice for the techies that are trying to approach you guys and trying to show you, look, we have this marvellous product, but what are the things that they need to tell you about them? I think that they need to bear in mind that it's about augmentation and not purely automation. You have to be aware that these businesses within the real estate industry are people-driven. They are relationship-driven. And within our business, there is the ability to have digital platforms and clean data alongside your Excel spreadsheets and your human beings that go out and source deals. And I think they need to bear in mind that those human beings, to my mind, 
are irreplaceable. The roles and the jobs may change. And I do accept that we can't be updated or interconnected. But at the end of the day, it's the people, it's the staff that give a house such as ours its brain, its true capability. And the tech need to recognise that. And continuing on from this discussion of we can't replace humans, I was wondering what you can tell me about the artificial intelligence initiative that you are currently doing in Palmer Capital. Well, I guess, and Daryl would tell me it's not true AI, I'm sure, but all of these platforms have inbuilt capabilities, if you like, to learn from the information that you put into them. So machine reading, you feed a doc you feed sufficient documents through a machine reading tool, it will learn to guess what's coming next. For us, it's more about interfacing of data. So it's very important that the applications that we use, that they have APIs that allow us to then go and interface elsewhere. And ultimately, who knows where artificial intelligence may take it. And we are only using tiny, tiny elements of it. AI is a huge, huge topic. But do I think ultimately that the staff of Palmer Capital won't exist in 20 years and there'll be a bunch of robots? I truly hope not. <laughs> I hope I'm still around in 20 years. Yeah, me years. too. I hope I'm not replaced by an artificial intelligence robot that can do podcasts either. And then to kind of finalise things, I want to know what tech you're most excited about and what you think you might look to bring into Palmer Capital in the future. I think I am very interested in the customer experience. We do a lot of value-add speculative opportunities, development opportunities, and I would be very interested to see the tech being brought into not only how we construct, but ultimately into the fabric of that building and how that little microcosm then exists and services whoever it is that sits in it. Have you seen any types that you've uh, that you're impressed by? Oh, there are an endless array of things that are incredibly, incredibly clever. I saw actually a really, really clever thing in terms of fixing when concrete is set, which I know sounds terribly dull. <laughs> but if you're going through a construction process, it's a big factor of knowing when you can lay and when you can continue to build upon it. And someone had looked at a tiny device that would give you incredible accuracy about when you could build on top. I've seen a lot of interesting stuff about footfall and looking at trends and the way that people work. Some of that can be slightly scary, a little Orwellian, but there's an awful lot out there to excite. Absolutely. I think that is the perfect note to end on. Thank you very much, Emma, for taking part in the Place Tech podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank, Thank you for speaking much. with me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Place Tech podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast fix. All of our future episodes will be on there. If you like this episode, give us a social shout out. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you have any feedback or suggestions, email news at placetech.net.